Okay, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Reflexion. Today we have Steven Baroun, shaping the visual arts scene in Haitian culture with a bachelor's and master's in visual arts and photography, featured on several national and international publications like Naked Magazine, The Brooklyn Circus in the US, and Ticket Magazine and Challenges in Haiti. Please welcome Steven to the show. Steven. Welcome. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you, Nike, Pascal. Thank you for having, for having me. I'm really excited to be with you guys today. Likewise, likewise. You're one of the people defining um, the new wave of um, visual arts um, and Haitian culture. So, you know, we're so thrilled to have you on and share your perspective with us. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I'm excited uh, for this conversation. So I guess first to begin, Sivan, what... What kind of influence would you say that imagery and photography has on shaping Haitian culture? We are a culture of, of visual thinkers and visual learners and visual creators. You know, you know, you step outside Haiti and you see paintings on paintings, artists selling paintings, you know, you, you, the murals, there are murals on the street, graffiti on the street, you know, we're a very visual heavy culture. And I think that's so beautiful, even the voodoo religion, how visual it is, you know, the colors, the altars, the offerings. So I feel like imagery plays a huge role in how we communicate within our, our culture. And I think, I think in a way, that's why I cling so hard to photography, because I grew up, we grew up in this visual space. And so I think imagery is really important, especially today and especially contemporary photographers and painters and graphic designers, anybody who communicates visually, filmmakers, you know, I think today more than ever, it's important to show, you know, to show individual experiences, to show a community's experience, to show pain, to show joy, um, and to show uh, different representations of what it means to be Haitian, whether that's a diff your you're a different religion other than Catholicism, you know, Muslim, pra voodoo, practicing voodoo, you know, uh, whether, whether you're thinking differently, whether your gender and sexual identity is different. More than ever, it's really important for artists now to really tell these very intimate stories. So, yeah, I hope I answered the question. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, and when we talk about the Haitian identity and the Haitian culture, specifically, what role do you see visual expression having? In what ways can it help to sort of define and redefine Haitian identity and culture? People like to see themselves, you know, in, in certain narratives, right? Like, I'm going to give an example. Like, growing up, um, I'm going to be vulnerable, but growing up as a queer Haitian, you know, I never saw anyone who was Haitian and queer in media, right? I never saw anybody, like I never had somebody I can go to, you know? And it's not recently, you know, I got introduced, you know, a couple years back, I got introduced to all these queer Haitian artists and finally there's queer representation in media and, you know, you have Haitian characters now on Netflix show like Aude Lejean in Grand Army, you know, who's, a Haitian, who's Haitian, who played a Haitian character on that, on that show. So finally, you know, if, if, if kids and people can see themselves in this mass visual consciousness, you know, if a Haitian, little Haitian boy can see himself on the TV screen or see himself in a gallery, you know, you know, that, that speaks volumes, you know, that, that unlocks so, so much potential. So, you know, visual, 
imagery is really important. You know, like for me, when I create photographs and, you know, I have so many kids that come to me, even though they don't look like me, but they may think like me or they may have different identities, but they can relate to, wow, this is a Haitian who's assuming his queer identity. Like, I find a home in him. So it's really important, visuals, and, 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 and it's really important to see yourself in stories nowadays. You know, Sivan, it's, it's interesting because I'm really glad that you bring up queer identity because, you know, growing up, and we grew up together, for, for the audience who doesn't know, we, we went to elementary school together, from maternelle, from like kindergarten all the way through what? To like grade. pre-mail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, we, the, it's interesting because in Haitian culture, a lot of people are really, I would say, even scared of what they don't know. And I guess that's human nature in general. But... In a place like Haiti where even race and religion, they're so single faceted and growing up as somebody who is not black or who is not Catholic or Protestant or, you know, anything that is not the norm, the 99%, it can be pretty daunting because it's just like it's, it's so unknown since the majority is so much larger than the minority. So... Maybe, Steven, what, what would you say was the hardest part about growing up as a queer Syrian Haitian in Haiti? And how do you think that that shaped your perspective of what it means to be Haitian? I don't really hold my challenges or difficulties against anything. You know, I, I grew up in this country not fitting the majority, not quote-unquote looking a certain way to be accepted within Haitian society. Um... I think that, I think being a different representation of Haitian really kind of, uh, now looking back at it, was kind of a, a strength, you know? And I think the challenging part, Pascal and Nike, is, you know, as a kid, you always want to be accepted somewhere. You always want to fit in. You know, we're kids, we want to have friends, we want, I never really, you know, people would call me Tiblan, people would, oh, he speaks like a girl, oh, he walks like a girl, he this, he that. I've always, if it's not my cultural identity, it's my sexual identity that's always been persecuted. So I never felt like I fit in anywhere, and even my Syrian identity. I wasn't Haitian enough, I wasn't Syrian enough. And on top of that, you know, I'm, I'm queer. So it's like, dang, like, who am I, what am I, where do I belong? And at a very young age, I started to think these things. And I think that was daunting as a child, not really finding your, your place and people telling you that you don't belong a certain place. And so that was really challenging. And I was always very uh, confused when they would call me blunt, blunt, blunt. And I think that, you know, it's blunt the sense of like foreigner. You're a foreigner. You know, I, I, me, like, I saw it as not, okay, yes, my skin tone, but I see, like, they're usually associated with, you're a foreigner. You know, you're not from here. You know, even the diaspora, you know, you can, you can be dark skin, light skin, diaspora. They will call you blanc. You know, blanc, ou sont blanc, ou sont blanc. So, Bonzo, if you, if you are living in Haiti for all your life, let's say 40 years, the moment you step on that plane, you're no longer, you're no longer one of us. You're now diaspora, you're now the other right so it's it's a really interesting mentality it is interesting but at the same time a bit divisive you know in the in the sense but uh 
but yeah, that, that was kind of the challenge. And uh, Pascal, the second part, through my experience, I found other communities that may not look like me or may not think like me, but also are persecuted. You know, so I, you know, there's a huge Muslim community in Haiti and they're persecuted, you know, for their religion or how they dress. You know, the voodoo, the voodoo circle is persecuted, even though that's the religion that gave us our independence, you know. So there are so many marginalized and unrepresented communities in Haiti. And I finally felt like I wasn't alone. You know, we want, we, you always want to feel visible and valued, right? Uh, you know, especially in your own home. And so that really showed me that being Haitian means you you are limitless. There's no right, there's no mold in being Haitian. You don't need to fit a certain criteria. You know, being Haitian is all in the heart. It's all in your upbringing. It's all in your the love you have for the country and the culture and where you come from. And so I think that showed me, I think that showed me that as a Haitian society, we are so diverse and let's start embracing that you know and that 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 really gave me kind of a fire you know to kind of push that narrative so then it sounds to me like your definition and your perspective of what it means to be haitian it, it crosses nationality it crosses skin color race it crosses sexual orientation it crosses religion exactly it crosses all barriers and in, in, in frontiers of identity you know I'm, you know, being Haitian, you know, American, like nobody questions if an American is Asian American, African American, Taiwanese American, like there's an understanding that America is a melting pot, but also with our, within Haitian history, Haiti is also a melting pot who brought in Polish immigrants, you know, Arab, Arab migration, a Chinese, Taiwanese, like uh, I can't even begin to enumerate the communities we have in Haiti, you know? Actually, you know, me and Pascal, one of the early ex earlier um, experiences we shared um, when I went to Haiti and we went on uh, this little adventure, he took me to a Japanese uh, restaurant in Port-au-Prince called Haiku. And it was so, uh, it was so yes. fascinating to see a culture <laughs> that is, you know, so a country that's so far, a culture you would never imagine to see, like, have a restaurant in Port-au-Prince. Um, yeah, and it was great because we got to do something different, um, and it was just something unexpected. So um, I'm glad that you brought up That's the importance awesome. of embracing different cultures, different perspectives. Uh, what role do you see media yeah. can play to foster that inclusion and that tolerance in Haitian culture? Yeah, well, media is a good, obviously, is a good vehicle for for information. You know, and I think I think I'm seeing this in the younger generation in maybe my generation, but the generation below me, Gen Z especially, you know, they are, they're, they're starting, I mean, Haitian, the Haitian Gen Z, the Haitian youth I'm talking specifically, they're starting to foster this understanding because now they have access to everything, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, now they can follow their favorite Haitian influencers that may look different, you know, that may think different. Now they can watch movies and films and listen to music of a variety of different people. Like, it's funny to me because, you know, we have this kind of uh, alienation of people who have a different skin tone. You know, if you have a lighter skin, you know, it's hard, you know, they, they say you're a blonde, you're not considered Haitian. But, but Haitians dance to T-Vice during Carnaval. 
and see vibes. They're 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 light skinned Haitian boys. And, you know, it's like it's funny to me that like in the art space, in the media space, that diversity is more absorbed and consumed and easily celebrated. And I think media is important. And I think media, you know, now the, these kids are really watching us, watching the generations older than them, and really unlocking and freeing their mind. Like, you, you know, you can be gay and Haitian, you can be Muslim and Haitian, you can be white, brown, black, green, whatever, and be Haitian, you know? So media, I think, is more important than, than ever, you know? And I think it's a beautiful tool. And I'm very proud, I wanna say that I'm very proud to see the younger generation, and although it's happening slowly, but it's happening slowly but surely. Um, and even interacting with the young folks on, on social media and seeing how open-minded and what the media has given them, the knowledge media has given them, is wonderful. It's a wonderful tool. Absolutely. And it's like, thank God for, for these new tools and this technology to help us communicate. Because, as you said, that the, the imagery is information. And when we're able to communicate more openly, more inclusively, uh, then that, that does help us shape that, uh, that Haitian culture to be more inclusive and more tolerant. Uh, it, with pictures and, and imagery more specifically, how do you think that a picture, or why, I guess, why is a picture so impactful? And how can we use photography to shape how someone thinks, because I love that you mentioned that in the art space in Haiti, it's, it is inclusive. You have groups like T-Vice that can be on a show at Carnaval, and you have millions of Haitians, regardless of color or creed, that are all dancing and enjoying T-Vice and cheering to T-Vice, you know? But for some reason, there's still a, a disconnect in the general like day-to-day -day life where we're all happy to, to celebrate you know, mixed and inclusive art, but on the day-to-day, -day, there's still a lot of divisiveness and a lot of persecution. So how can we use photography? We kind of mentioned this uh, with our, our previous episode with, with Vince Theodore, is that like seeing is believing, but how can we use photography to, to shape how someone thinks so that we can make that transfer from the media inclusiveness to just day-to-day -day inclusiveness? Yeah, like the public consciousness. Yeah, that's a very good question, Pascal. That's a very loaded question, and I think that could be an episode within itself. I think now, well, I think now what's happening is we have so much images. We're always bombarded with images nowadays, so we sort of become immune to the impact of photography. Like, photography now has become this widely distributed media, right? Like, we're consuming billions of imageries daily, we don't even know it. You know, from billboards to Instagram to, we're always consuming imageries. So now I feel like our visual literacy has become so saturated that nobody really stops and look at, looks at a photograph anymore. So I understood that idea and I wanted to make photographs that are poignant. I wanted to make photographs that people can stop and see. Whether Nike and Pascal, whether that I'm shocking people whether I'm, I have uh, kind of these provocative imageries or these soft and beautiful imageries, I always want to create photographs that make you stop for a brief moment because we're so bombarded with images. So now I, I'm starting, I, I start to think, okay, how can photography be a tool for, uh, to not only to make people stop and think, but also to kind of 
photography now becomes this flashlight, right? I remember I did a series in 2015. I went to a mosque in Haiti, Al-Tawid Mosque, downtown Port-au-Prince. It's a, it's a Muslim community there. Beautiful mosque, beautiful community, beautiful people. And I went there in 2015 to just take pictures and to just celebrate the community. I wanted to show, hey, like, Muslim Haitians exist. You know, just like queer Haitians exist, just like, you name it, you attach another identity. Um, and that series really, really got picked up, you know. Uh, people were like, whoa, like, like people were sh shocked and surprised and happy and delighted to see that, you know, Muslim Haitians exist. And so that opened the conversation you know, that, these, that photographic series opened up a whole can of worms. Now, you know, you know, Muslim Haitians are DMing me, commenting like, thank you, or like, yeah, we exist finally, you know, or, you know, you're giving people this, you're elevating people and giving them a strength and confidence to be like, yeah, we're here, you know? And so photography, I, I, I feel like has the power to open up a lot of things. Um, to simplify it, you know, like seeing is believing, you know, like, like you said. Um, and yeah, I think now photographers need to really uh, think now about, you know, how they can use their talents to really make social, political or conscious change. Mm -hmm. so. Thank you so much for that response. It, that, I feel like that, that coincides perfectly. You did a you did a narrative piece with the Brooklyn Circus that I just want to quote here because I think that, that your answer there just really melds perfectly with something else that you said earlier is that you say, as a cultural maker, my practice must dismantle this toxic narrative fabricated by the West and it's to take ownership of our own narrative, whatever story we may choose to present to the world. It's our duty to tell our country's story. I love that. I love that. That is such, that is a statement of a leader. And uh, really, truly, really, truly a cultural leader. Uh, because it's calling to action the, the, the rest of the artists in, in, the, in the sector to take ownership of our narrative, take it back, and then to present to the world what we believe we are. Because that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. There's such a strong na uh, narrative against IT. Uh, from the the foreign media um you know how, how do you how do you see that you know we can combat that uh using imagery using um the visual arts i grew up only seeing horrible imagery of my country in western media right i mean i really saw the harmful damage that the media did to our visual identity and our identity as a people when the 2010 earthquake happened like, you know, I mean, CNN was milking it. You know, I mean, it was very disastrous. Don't get me wrong. It was horrible. It was a, a, a humanitarian crisis. It was a, a horrible disaster. And I know we are triggered by this event and I'm not downplaying it, but it was just months and months and months of coverage and, and showing, you know, the destruction and showing like the hurt, the pain, but you never, sh you never, saw imagery of the community coming together and helping each other. You ne never saw imagery of Haitian doctors on the ground, you know, and, and Haitian uh, activists and Haitian citizens coming together. They never showed you that part. All they, they, all they said was, 
Haiti is bad. The government is bad. This is bad. Another earthquake is going to hit soon. This is like, it was just tarnishing our reputation as people. They, they portrayed us as animalistic, as not being able to take care of our own selves, as, as primitive people that need saving. And that pissed me off so much. And, you know, you had all these white photojournalists coming to Haiti, taking the money shots and selling them. And, 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 and National Geographic photographers making billions out of disaster, natural disaster that's not even their own. You know, you didn't really have space for, for Haitian artists and journalists to really tell the story of this disaster. We don't need Western artists to come tell our stories. We have all the tools and all the thinkers we need on the ground. And I was like, you know what? I want to reclaim back my country's story and my story. You know, I can't tell every Haitian story, but I can tell my story and I can tell, you know, glimpse of our story as a collective. And so, I mean, after that day, I was like, okay, I need to become a visual filmmaker. I need to become a, I need to show people the beauty of Haiti, you know, um, to put it naively. And so, yeah, as Haitians, we do not. And also, I'm saying this Western companies and all these people that want to profit off of Haiti or want to visually explore Haiti in some way need to hire Haitians. There's just need to, you know, there's no need for outside people to tell our own story. Yeah. When you put your narrative in the hands of other other people, I mean, it's it's no longer your story. Look at American history. Look at the erasure of African-American history, how whitewashed it is or was. Thankfully, now the public consciousness is rising up finally. Um, but yeah, look at how white, look at how, you know, African-American culture brought pop, rock, blues, uh, uh, fashion, culture, like African-American culture gave America spice. And you saw, you know, for lack of a better word, and you saw how white folks wanted to whitewash or silence the impact of the community in the country. And so, you know, when you put stories in the hands of people, other people, you have very harmful and toxic consequences. You know, I, I do think that at least with the newer generations around the world, with, with the Gen Zs and the Gen Xs, that I, I'd like to believe that this is starting to change and we're starting to become more inclusive and tolerant. But, I mean, what you just said fires me up so much. It makes you want to, like, grab my camera again and restart vlogging and restart taking pictures because it's like, yes, yes, somebody who sees the importance of taking control of our narrative back and uh, thanks so much for sharing that perspective, too. If we talk about mission accomplished, um, what would that look like and feel like with your work? When I am no longer on this earth and the only thing people can remember me by are these photos I took, I want somebody to take that mission and run with it. I want some kid in the near future to be like, yo, what this old man was doing back in the day is really it really is important let's continue it that's my mission accomplished and i don't think i will ever see mission accomplished while i'm alive i think <laughs> i think for me my mission would be what my work has how my work has impacted people when who and it doesn't need to be the whole world you know that's impossible but if it's two people i think that's mission accomplished to me to kind of keep going let's not lose sight of of the work artists have done like even, you know, I'm looking at the younger, the, uh, our generation of Haitian musicians who are now, 
who are now taking on their shoulders the sound of the people that came before them. That's beautiful. You know, that's mission accomplished. Wow. Very inspiring. Very, very inspiring. Thank you so much, Steven. I mean, that's that's the time that we got for this interview. But uh, I guess before before we wrap up, we usually give all of our uh, guests an opportunity to plug any work that you're doing. If you want to send people towards a certain place to see what's going on. What do you have yeah. going on right now? Plug, 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 sure. plug, 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 plug. I'm a, uh, you know, I love, I, you know, I love a good plug, y'all. Um, yeah, so um, Instagram is where I have everything centralized. So Steve, at Steven Babun on my Instagram. And from there, you can kind of explore the world I'm in. But yeah, I'm working on a couple exciting projects now. Um, you know, a couple photo shoots. Hopefully, can't really disclose anything now, but really exciting things um, with the Haitian community in music and fashion, so I'm really excited. Uh, so on my Instagram, you can just keep up to date with the new projects. But y'all, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're big fans of your work. Um, so if there's yeah. any way that we could, you know, use our platform to move your work forward, uh, please let us know, thank man. You. We really, really enjoy the, the, the stuff that you're doing and we think it's, it's very, very important for the culture. Thank you, man. Much appreciate uh, all of that. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Reflexion. And don't forget to join us on the next episode. See you then.